Hello and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today, I'm talking about kind of a broad subject, uh, music magic. I think this is going to be kind of like a big overview intro, and then maybe we'll do some like deep dives into specific topics. Like I'd love to hear what people are interested in about it because it is one of those things where like we're like oh talking about like moon magic it's like oh what the fuck does that mean like music magic also a giant topic and we love that and honestly i cannot think of anyone i would want to hear from more than you on this subject because to everyone that does not know this shannon does music i do music I do music. Um, Yeah, it's fun. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, But I'm also excited to hear about your, like, your topic. Yeah, well, so today I am barging it up with Talisen, one of, arguably one of the most famous bards in history. We love a bard. We do love a bard, but we're gonna, we're gonna get into that, into the segment, so. Yeah. um, I, I will say, though, I think being a bard is probably, I think, one of the more, like, Dionysian professions you could have. Oh, yeah. And I, it's like any game I've ever played, like, any MMO where being a bard is an option, I'm always a bard. Like, my character in Lotro, uh, Lord of the Rings Online, was an elf bard. Love that. Because of Love course. That. And of course, we're going to be talking about bard as an RPG class. <laughs> at the top of the cycle. have to. Um, but Nick, before we get into all of that, when did you feel magical this week? Well, I am going to be kind of lame. I think people know that we are recording this the, the weekend after Thanksgiving, um, which boo colonizers, boo his boo. But um, I do just love to make the food and I really feel connected to my family in that moment and um just just a warm and nice feeling I like that make it making the Thanksgiving feast although I did send you pictures I will also say that my food did turn out gorgeously this year yeah it was Um, beautiful um it was art it was art and with all of that sage it's very cleansing yeah I definitely used like sage from my garden when I was making my um stuffing which you know always feels nice and I do think there is something so magical about making food and maybe I would have felt more magical about it if I hadn't had to go to urgent care for like trying to slice off my finger uh which has never happened to me before in all of my years of like cooking as much as like Nick and I both cook a lot this is the first like semi-serious cooking injury I've had I mean they just glued it shut I didn't like fully need stitches or anything but there was a lot of blood and it ruined my pumpkin cheesecake which I'm remaking today because like you just you really wanted that pumpkin cheesecake I really wanted it and it was like so close to going into the oven when I like had my accident and then there was blood splatter all over the kitchen like the next morning we we like shut it down in the kitchen it was on Wednesday night and I was like no we're gonna like we're going to just like take a break. I'm not going to finish prepping anything else. Everything else can happen tomorrow. And when I went in the next morning, it was like there were blood spatters like on the window, like tiny little blood spatters. And I was like forever 
the empathy I have for anyone on a cooking competition who cuts themselves has increased like a thousand fold because but it gets everywhere. The kitchen gods do occasionally demand a blood sacrifice. They do. And they got it. But my magical moment this week, so Eric and I have this like tradition where we do cigars the day after Thanksgiving because we're old men. Um, but it's nice, you know, like as a former smoker, a little nicotine, but we were sitting out on my back porch and Nick, I shit you not, you know how I've got my little L couch now and Uh like that end is right next to the hummingbird feeder, constant hummingbirds, just like coming right up like two feet away from me while we were outside smoking cigars in the morning. And I felt like fucking snow white. Like the hummingbirds just did not care that we were there. They were just getting up so close that we could like literally see every little feather detail on them and it was like uh, i do love i do love i do love hummingbirds me too like every time and i love in your apartment area specifically it's like hummingbird city it is there are so many hummingbirds and because we're in los angeles even though it's like basically december the wildlife is all here like it's it doesn't really leave (laughs) it's like it's all it's all around so um anyway well I guess this is kind of a a long and maybe meandering topic so I think we should get going um I I want to say at the top of my segment that my uh husband let me know that we are recording this episode on Jimi Hendrix's birthday which feels right so Eric was listening to Jimi Hendrix record downstairs while I was like taking a shower before this which was really like setting the mood and I I just want to say I've sort of unintentionally made the highlights purple this week which feels appropriate yeah very appropriate so I think one of the first things I wanted to start with up at the top is like finding out ways to incorporate music into your magical practice is really about like getting to know yourself because I think sometimes there's this like idea that like witchy people all have to be into like Enya and it's like okay if that's your jam awesome but you can like do music in your like magical practice with anything that floats your boat. It's like, if you're a metal head, there's magic in your connection to that music. And I just want to like remind people that we hold space for all kinds of music tastes here, unless you're like solidly into pop country, in which case I'm going to side at you. Um, <laughs> you can like it, but if that is like your identity, like it is for some people that don't impress me much as <laughs> Shania would say. Um, So one of, I think, the easiest ways, though, to incorporate magic into your practice, especially if it's something that you're, like, new to and you haven't really done a lot of yet, is, like, using music to charge your space. So we talk all the time about, like, cleansing spaces, like, doing smoke cleansing, doing other sorts of, like, spiritual cleansing, sort of, like, doing visualization, And a lot of times you'll hear people that are like, okay, like you burn the sage and then you burn this other thing to like charge it back up. And it's like, sure, you can do that. But something I love doing, especially if I'm going to have people over or like if I'm about to do a big spell, is to like come up with music to play after doing the cleansing and letting the music kind of charge your space. You know, like some people are like, oh, you can use tones like crystal ringing bowls and bells. And like, yeah, you can totally do that if that's your jam but I'm like in the era of Spotify of a lot of like large record collections of being able to get music on your phone why not curate a playlist that has the type of energy you want to bring into your house you know what I'm saying I do 
honestly have a specific corner because uh, okay and you know this about me i have one playlist only one playlist because i'm a psychopath and it's like over a hundred songs but different parts of the playlist are for different things there is one corner of the playlist that is specifically getting ready for a date music um and so yeah i definitely definitely am listening to different kinds of music to get ready for different things yeah I think it's it's like something that feels so common and people are like, oh, well, whatever, like a playlist. How is that magic? And it's like, OK, intention. Intention's what makes it magical, right? Like everything that we do is witches that's like spellcraft. Some of it is like hella mundane. Like you can just take a fucking bath. But if you add intention to it and you like are being purposeful when you're in the bath, hi, that's a, that's magic. So I love the idea of using like certain playlists, but also having like totem songs, right? So like, instead of carrying like, you know, a little spell satchel with you, like putting together a little like necklace or something with a spell on it, maybe you have like a song for certain types of like energy you're trying to bring into spaces too. And it's like, of course, I love to listen to Lizzo when I need to get pumped up. That can become magic when I like bring intention to it. And I'm like inviting that energy to fill my space. So I think that's one of the biggest things with like using music magically. It's like, just like it is without anything, you have to like focus on having that intention come into it because there is something about music that just is inherently magic you know like it exists in the natural world there's this big movement that I've seen a lot of different musicians and like magical people doing online where they'll take electrodes and like attach them to things like mushrooms or moss or trees or grass and like finding the electromagnetic like waves that are emitted by different plants and using that to create electronic music and it just really drives home this thing that it's like music is just like vibration. Vibrations exist everywhere in nature. And one of the cool things about being a human is that you can interpret the vibrations from all sorts of living beings and incorporate that like into your craft. So I love the idea of intention and singing to your garden. Hello. Hi. Well, we we talked about this a little bit um, when we were talking about, I, I think it was poetry magic, don't quote me on this, but how a lot of people, I think, don't give themselves enough credit for the creativity that they have. Um, one of the things which I said in whatever segment that was, and I'm really drawing a blank here, but was that, think about the dumb little songs you sing to your pet and how- Oh my God, yeah. And how good and elaborate those can be. Because, I mean, obviously your pet's not going to judge you. I have so many ridiculous little songs that I sing to both of my cats. Um, and th they're quite good. I mean, not to toot my own horn. But... Oh, no. I mean, I have an entire theme song for Willow to the tune of the Gentleman Jack theme song. Incredible. Like it's it is magical too and like I think that's something too that I really want to like emphasize here is like when I'm talking about like singing to do your magic like you don't have to have a great voice you don't even have to be like able to hit tones I think there's something about like 
making that sound with your own body that is inherently more magical than just playing something. I do think playing music and like using totem songs, creating playlists for stuff is like, of course, can be very powerful. But there is something about like doing it with your own body that I think kind of brings it to the next level. So I I really love the idea too of like getting into this like sort of space of creating a playlist, using that as like a foyer into singing your own stuff when you're doing spell crafting. And that's something, this idea of like creating songs, like theme songs for your pets, right? Like you sing these songs to them and you just make it up, but then it becomes something that sticks and you keep it because like everyone I know has like pet songs that they could basically record because they've mm-hmm. sang them so many times. Yeah. Take that energy into spell casting, right? It's like, what is a song that you really love that like pulls at that part of your like spiritual being that you're trying to like manifest with during your spell crafting, right? So like think about a song that really fits and then try to like write your own words to it that are kind of like going with your intention. You know, I think that's kind of a way to get into like a little bit of poetry magic, but then like singing it. And like, even if you're just like, if you can't play an instrument, that's fine. Like clap along to create the beats, like just hear the tones in your heart, but like being able to craft your own words for a spell to the tune of a song that you really are feeling. I'm like, I, I can't imagine anything that's like more inherently magical than that well and i would also say kind of in that same vein too it's like i since i i'm always writing bad notes at poetry um perhaps in the hopes that someday i'll write some actual poetry that will be good but you have to just like write about kind of everything Um, yeah like i sent you my little poem about the wasps i did love that um and always, I think, like, you're the only person I show stuff like that to. So, but it, it is it always nice to have, like, one kind of trusted friend that you can be like, look at this thing I did. I love it. And I was thinking, like, along the lines of, like, turning something like that into music is, like, that poem just has such, like, Lana Del Rey vibes. Yeah. Like... Finding a Lana Del Rey song you really like if you were trying to, like, do a a spell to, like, honor the wasp spirits because, like, God knows there are plenty of those around in Texas. I think that would be perfect. So I I do like this idea of, like, writing your own music. And I think for some people, it's like the idea of writing your own music can sound so daunting because then you imagine you have to, like, be a fucking composer and, like, nose to tail it with, like, music writing. But you don't have to. It's like we do that all the time with our pets. You don't have to come up with your own thing. Also, the idea of folk music where you're just like reimagining songs that are shared across cultures was the primary way that music was shared until very, very, very recently in human history. So if you're not like feeling some sort of creative genius to like Jack White your own shit, you don't have to. It's like find something that feels powerful to you. I encourage you to write your own words to it because like, that's super fun. And then even if it's goofy and bad, it's like releasing that creative energy, I think just like helps bring more magic into whatever you're doing. But 
even if you don't write your own words, you know, it's like picking a song that you like and singing it and using it to manifest into like whatever spell work you're doing. That's not unfounded. Like there's a reason folk songs are folk songs and like everyone knows them because that's like how humans almost like the bards did would tell stories. You know, that's like one of the biggest pieces of artwork that has existed for millennia like before people were writing stuff down people were telling stories and singing like that's that's just always been something they did so um getting back into some ways that you can like very purposefully incorporate your craft into your magic though because you guys know I'm a I'm a planty witch I love singing to my plants and I think that's something I mean there there have been all those science studies where like they've played Beyonce for plants and like done no music for some and like they've shown that singing and like hearing good music actually helps plants grow more and I think this is something that like witches inherently understand right it's like this idea that everything is interconnected and when we're talking about music we're talking about like tonal vibrations that are pleasing to the ear like when you're listening to a harmony it does something in your brain. It like tickles your brain. It feels good when you're listening to those, like the spinning that happens between thirds, you know? So I think it makes sense that your plants can understand that, you know, they can talk to each other. We know that. So the idea that like singing to your plants can not only like help them grow better, but I think it's also really important if you're someone who grows plants to use for magical purposes. So like if you're harvesting a plant, to use in a specific spell think of a song think of music that kind of like invokes the work that you're about to be asking that plant to do because to me that feels number one it's like respect like you should like give offerings to the plants when you're taking from them to use it but I think it also sort of like helps set the mood right kind of like that playlist that you put together for your hot date it's like you're putting together sort of the musical energy that you're putting into the plant before you even like harvest it to bring it into your spell and I I really do think it makes you feel so much closer to your plants which I know for people that like aren't planty witches that might sound weird but genuinely like I have a relationship with my plants in particular like you know, like house plants and things that aren't annuals, things that you live with year after year. My aloe plant out front and I have an understanding, you know, it's like, and singing and communicating with them is like a really great way to foster that relationship, to deepen it, to give them an offering, but then also to like help set the mood again, like for the spells you're trying to harvest them for. So that's one of my favorite, like, low low like low lift ways to use music in my magical practice is just like singing to my plants but I think that I would be remiss especially because I feel like we're coming out of Scorpio season we're heading into Sagittarius season these are sexy times of year everyone's feeling randy you're inside like by the roaring fire um music and sex magic really go hand in hand. people that are maybe like a little I'm speaking from personal experience here sometimes I can feel uncomfortable in sexual situations hi I was raised in puritanical America like so many people but having like a good playlist I think can kind of like ease some of that tension but again it's like especially I think if you're doing like masturbation as spellcraft with like sex magic 
I think that having a playlist is key. Like number one, it helps distract, I think, from the dead silence that can feel very unsexy to me. But again, it's like helping you get in the mood and, well, you know, covering up noise if you have roommates. <laughs> well, here, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. I think the kind of gay answer to this too is that, um, is like circuit party music, you know, because yeah. hear me out, hear me out. So the, they have this like circuit party music that they play at that kind of gay party, um, AKA one where there is going to be like, people having sex with each other and they also you know they have a lot of like playlists for stuff like that online for you to enjoy at home and also it's used a lot in kind of adult films so it's kind of like you almost get conditioned to be in a certain mindset when you hear music that has a certain tempo yeah um which, you know, isn't really connecting into the, the magical side of things, but all I'm saying is that there, there you can kind of uh, end up with some pretty strong conditioning using music as in, in conjunction with, like, sexy times. Yeah, and I, I think it's, like, really powerful. Like, the way that music can shift your mood so dramatically, I think, is something that's so special about it as an art form. And to me, just, like inherently feels like magic because it's like you can't tell me that there's not a song that you hear that immediately makes you feel like you're 17 again oh absolutely absolutely nostalgia is real and it's like um I definitely I'm so glad that the song that I lost my virginity to is not now a popular throwback song because that would be that would be mortifying to just to hear that at the grocery store Oh God, yeah. If it like ends up on like a Muzak playlist, if if Nick if Nick dies of shame, we know what happens. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I like the idea of like in particular with sex magic, like kind of incorporating that, and especially if there's like certain things that you enjoy, you know, like there's some hot music out there. There's good like getting down to business music. So oh, like absolutely. explore. Well, I also feel like smooth jazz is one of those things where it's like it's the joke sexy music, but like actually smooth jazz, there's something to that. There's something there's to a, that for sure. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to it. So I I think play with that. But then there's also like as far as setting the mood, I love the idea of making your own like spell casting playlist that goes with different kind of magic because it can help you like stay focused. You know, I think Nick and I have talked a lot about like being ADD witches. Um, (laughs) It's like not always easy to sit there and like focus on like staring at a candle flame for 30 minutes while it, while it like goes down. So I think that having like the right music can really help. So I have, there are like certain playlists that I have on my phone that are like not lyric music necessarily but like really good like chimes and like almost like meditation style tracks that I really enjoy that I'll put together sometimes for like really meditative spell work because I don't necessarily want something with a lot of like lyrics it's going to be like getting my prefrontal cortex over activated but 
having something in the background kind of like helps my brain chill out a little bit because I'm the type of person that needs background noise. Like that's part of like, I will have my headphones and listen to listening to audiobooks when I'm cleaning. I'll have the TV on while I'm like editing the podcast. It's like, I have to have noise in the background. And that's something that I know about myself. And so curating playlists for spells, I think is really, really powerful. And it's a good way to just sort of like help you focus because I don't know. I mean, maybe there are people out there that can just like plop right down into a meditative state and like stare at a candle for half an hour without like struggling, but I, I've not met any of them. So. Well, I also feel that, okay. And hear me out on this. I, okay. I like this playlist. That's like gentle, piano music and then it's like mixed with nature sounds Ooh, i like that it's like it's it's on like spot that. it's it's on spotify and so it's kind of like really really just like nondescript piano music but they kind of fade it in and out with like birds and wind <laughs> and like little stream noises and yeah i'm a big fan of like ocean noises in my uh, meditation music playlists, I think they're incredibly like grounding for me. Something about just like hearing the ocean helps like keep me in my body because it also like sort of lines with your breathing too, which I think is like so helpful. I, I used to have this CD. I'm giving away my age here, people, but I had a CD and it was uh, Chopin and ocean noises overlapped with each other that's beautiful it was so good it was so good and it really this conversation is making me miss all of my hard copy media because I sure I could find that somewhere online but it wouldn't be the same as finding as finding that cd in a bin and being like is this the perfect thing for me to have I do still have a lot of my CDs. Um, I wish that I had like one of the things that Nick and I used to do early on in our friendship was like make mix CDs for each other. Mm-hmm. Like that's how Nick introduced me to the Greenskeepers. Thank you. Um, and that was really powerful. And I think that's something too, that it's like a lost art, like make a playlist for people you care about. Like even if it's not on physical media, make a playlist for them. Um, But there's also this idea that I had that I wanted to sort of like play with. And I I think this is fun for people that are really into music. I love the idea of going into a record store, like one of those that has like the big bins because they exist all over the place. Going in and like kind of opening up your intention and finding like albums that you're drawn to, whether or not you know who the artist is, pick them up take them home and make some magic because that I think is such an interesting way to also sort of like let your intuition bring new stuff into your life in a non-expensive way because if anyone's been to a record store there's always the bargain bin that's like super affordable stuff it's I have like a super hokey like Disney Halloween background music album that is like it costs like three dollars so I I feel like this is a fun way to kind of like get your intuition involved have a bit of an adventure with it because there's like sometimes it's nice to get out of the house y'all especially during the holidays when your family might be crawling up your ass for a few weeks you know go out 
let your intuition bring you some new music, which I really love. Um, and then of course, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about like making your own music and like using that magically. So um, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but Eric recently did a podcast called Die Emos Die. Um, they're working on season two right now, but I was in the first season and my character actually is a goth witch who uses music to turn people into emo zombies. So literally about using music to cast magic. Um, but I got to write a song for it and it was so much fun because like I have done choir and musical theater and I've taken like voice lessons since I was like seven. Um, but the idea of just like writing your own music I think just feels like such a powerful like spell casting technique. And so I just kind of wanted to talk through some like really easy logistics for people that are maybe interested in that. Um, because I am not entirely like, I'm, I'm like not super great at the guitar. I like, I mean, I'm like, I love singing. I have a great voice. I'm not necessarily the best writer, but there's, again, there's something that still feels so powerful about it, even if it's not like, going to be billboard charting. So some cheap things you can get to make music at home. First, you just need like a, a cheap little laptop. I have a Windows Surface like tablet that you can convert into a computer that I use and it works. It's fine. Um, you're going to need a USB audio interface. This thing right here. You can find them like for relatively affordable prices. Um, this one I think I paid like 45 bucks for. You're gonna need a cord. There's like a very specific cord that you need um, that you can find. Let me see if I can show this to you guys. So here's my like setup. You can see, I actually use this to record the podcast too, which is convenient. Um, and then you actually, for most of these, the reason I'm suggesting you get a USB audio um, interface is because you see here, there's like different places where you can connect like different instruments to it. So if you have like a cheap electric guitar, because you can find an electric guitar for no money at, at a pawn shop, literally no money. You can hook up your little USB interface. You can pop in your electric guitar cord open up and like get Adobe Audition or whatever like music stuff comes for free on your computer, pop in some headphones and you can fuck around with a cheap electric guitar and like create loops to make your own music. And it's really like, you don't have to be Jimi Hendrix speaking of his birthday to like make cool stuff that you're really proud of that then you can save and like, use that as like the background music when you're taking like a meditative bath, you know, like find some tones that hit well, give yourself some like moody A minor shit. If you're doing like spooky, like shadow work type magic, you know, get yourself some stuff that like feels like different moods. And then like Adobe audition, I think is such a great like piece of software because you can actually get the Adobe creative suite for like 30 bucks a month instead of buying it all right out, which can be like hundreds of dollars. And then you can like play with different filters and like even go through and like record your voice and put it through like crazy choral filters that can like basically um, 
it kind of like imitates the sound of like harmonized voices using what it pulls in. So it's like, I think computer technology has made it so much more feasible for people to make their own music in ways that's really accessible and you know it's not free but you can do it in a way that's affordable because like you can source so much of this stuff from like secondhand stores or like going into a pawn shop and then you can like create like I think just the act of creating is in itself like so inherently magical and powerful and it's you're just like never gonna feel better than when you like export the mix down like the multi-track mix down export feels so good after you write music um and so like I wrote a song for Thaimo's Die season one which you can hear I guess I can link that in this um podcast description we're doing we're you... doing a uh in-house cross promotion yeah right in-house cross promo um and I, so I wrote a song for that. I wrote a song for another short film that Eric did too called Perfidia because my husband is also obsessed with music. We're both like really big music lovers. It's always been really important to our relationship. Like the fact that we have pretty similar taste in music has helped a lot. Um, but yeah, music, I think is just, it's so hard to like focus and talk about one aspect of it because it is just such a big important part of my life and it always has been but I think the idea of like cheaply making your own mixes for doing spell work or like meditations is so cool and so fun and like if I can do it anyone can do it because like I am not super tech savvy I would also say just something to think about too is I definitely ascribe different elemental qualities to the sounds of different instruments oh yeah And so, like, definitely something to think about, too, is, like, kind of find what you think they are as well. But, like, I think, I think guitar is, like, very earthy. It's true. It's true. Like, I feel like, I feel feel like guitar is very earthy. Um, I feel like, like, cello and, like, the bass string instruments are, basser string instruments are kind of, like, earthy as well. But I also think like a violin can be very airy. Like the once once yeah. you kind of get into those high note, those high quick notes, I think a harp, a harp would be very, very airy as well. Yeah. I think it's fun. And that's that's another great thing about like using technology to your advantage because like you can find simulators for different instruments. So it's like you don't have to go out and like learn how to play the harp because um most people can't. They're fucking most people, hard. I, I, it's also a, an incredible barrier to entry is how expensive a harp is for fuck's sake. Right. So I love the idea of like, yeah, leveraging technology because we do live in the year of our Lord 2022. Um, and there's so much that you can do without going out and buying a million instruments. So it's like, yeah, find some of those simulators, like play it's like maybe you're really into like woodwind instruments which to me also have like big air energy I don't know I'm like if Libra were an instrument she'd like probably be a flute oh yeah I could absolutely see Libra being a or flute. a clarinet Libra might be a clarinet but she's a woodwind she's a woodwind for sure 
So I, I think that's such a good thing too. It's like, I, I think of course, find the music you like. There's so many amazing artists and, you know, maybe making music doesn't end up being for you, but I think everyone should try it because it's like, I think everyone is an artist, but I think that the idea of creating music is something that touches so many people's souls because like every single person likes music. You don't have to like the same kind of music, but I've never met someone that's like, ah, I just don't like music. If I did, I would probably run because I don't know what would be wrong with them. Um, but there is just something so universal about it. So those, I mean, those are just a few of the ways, I guess, that like I use music in my magical practice. I think you can use it to like spellcraft, to do energy charging. You can use the creative process as an outlet to basically make your own magic. And definitely go listen to some like records because you can get like cheap ass record players now. And I think going to a record store and record hunting is like very nineties. Like it feels very retro, but it's so much fun. It's so, so much fun. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've bought random records just cause I wanted to. Uh, yeah. Basically. Uh, and honestly, like one of my favorite songs I found it is like this weird French song, but I found like the single for it in the in the bargain bin at a thrift store one time. See, it's amazing. Again, your intuition leading you to new music that speaks to your soul. Like that's so dope. No, and what it what I I that feeling of discovery too, like I don't know. I yeah. I mean, I'm con- I I would just say I'm constantly listening to music though. It's like yeah, non- it's important. It's, it's nonstop. It's important. Um, okay. Are we moving? Are we moving on to bards? Is it bard time? Yeah, I think so. Again, I feel like it was a very broad topic, so I hope maybe there's some ideas in there that are helpful for people. And if there's anything you want us to talk more about, let us know. I mean, you can always hit us up. Uh, through Instagram at Wands and Fronds Pod. You can email us at wandsandfrondspod at gmail.com. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. Pretty easy to remember. Um, and then if you just want to support the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, literally write a little review. Tell us in the review about what other music stuff you like to do. Or send us a message. Tell us what you're into. Tell us what you want to hear more about. So there are the plugs. Oh, love the plugs. Mm, give us five stars, BBs. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about bards. Because I, I, I know we're just going to be circling around to some of the same topics from Music Magic in here in the bard segment. So um, I do want to say right off the bat here that I've always been very struck by the idea of bards, perhaps because it is so Dionysian. And uh, I'm realizing that that's kind of where I'm at uh, in my practice, um, <clears throat> even, you know, and I have played a bard in Dungeons and Dragons before. I, I kind of go back and forth because I'm like, I want, do I want to be a druid or do I want to be a bard? Um, maybe both. Why maybe not? Maybe a druid both? bard. Maybe a bard druid. Um, I did love the Sea of Trolls books as a kid. Uh, one of the main characters is just called the bard and he's also a druid, I feel, because he does use magic a lot. Um, and I think to use another pop culture reference, I mean, I guess if people don't know what like a bard is, 
So in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, there's a scene following Sir Robin, who is accompanied by minstrels. Uh, and after running away from a fight, the singer is like immediately composing this song about how brave Sir Robin bravely ran away. Um, which I'm not going to attempt to sing right now, but it is, it's a funny bit in the movie. Um, I actually watched that recently. So, you know, I don't, it's just on the I brain. Mean, it's, it's worth the rewatch. It's people. worth the rewatch. Uh, but that's very bardy behavior. It's comedy, but it does kind of uh, give a good example of what a bard actually did, which was not only to preserve history through song, but also to kind of like be a witness to the events as they were unfolding. And they would generally follow their patron, be it a king or a chieftain or whatever, around to the various battles and stuff for the biography of it all. Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite um, recent bard representation is The Bard and the Witcher, for anyone who's watched that uh, Netflix series. Oh, sure. They did, me they did mention The Witcher in the bard Wikipedia page, which, you know. Yeah, the bard character's great, and Henry Cavill's a babe, so it's like, I don't understand why you haven't watched it. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, I, so that would have kind of been the function of a court bard, which is what we think Taliesin was in real life. Um, and that that's kind of where we're going with this. So we're going to be talking about bards a little bit up top, but then we're mainly going to talk about a very, very famous bard. So, um, and there were also freelance bards, right? So you would be very lucky to get this sort of court bard gig, but sometimes there were bards that kind of traveled around entertaining the village for the night in exchange for some hospitality, um, sing for your supper kind of vibes, right? And some of the ancient bardic stories are at least as old as Greek theater. But rather than having a whole cast and a chorus, the bard relied on the still very much mysterious power of music to capture his audience. So more one-man show vibes, but uh, a common attestation at the time was that the way a bard could take you into the story with the power of music and the songs that they were singing must be a kind of magic because, I mean, can you imagine, I mean, obviously people heard Bible stories and whatever else, you know, always trying to convert people to Christianity um, in like the sixth century or whatever, but your regular kind of man on the ground harvesting the wheat and you know dying of pneumonia age 28 uh is has never heard a story as cool as beowulf and if you're rolling through and you're like telling that kind of story that probably blew your fucking little mind right off oh god yeah i mean can you imagine it's like you're just sitting in your little town and then along comes a bard with a fucking epic to share with you. And maybe a lute or a little harp or even, you know, like a little mandolin kind of vibe. Oh my God, we love a lute. We do love a lute. Um, so, but yeah, th there is speculation that Beowulf might've been a bardic tale. Uh, it centers a lot around the fact that some of the language that's used 
is different than the time that it was officially written. Um, so it must have been an oral tradition before that. Now, who is preserving the oral tradition at this time? Bards. So, you know. Um, but Beowulf is a fictional story. It does give us this really cool window into a very specific time in history and a very, very long gone culture. And of course, we love our fictional bards. Um, but we thought it would be cool this week to look at a very real and famous bard, Taliesin, who is also kind of a fictional bard because he became a legend. Uh, and I think that's kind of cool. So according to historians, he was a real person in the sixth century in Wales, but his life has taken on this mythical status in the intervening centuries. So on the documented side of things, Taliesin was the court bard for Urien Regid and Kynan Garwin, the king of poets. And of course, both of their inheritors, at least one officially, although there's an unattested poem that they, you know, kind of attribute to Taliesin about um, Kynan's heirs or whatever. Um, but those are the verses that are attested to him, and they are basically this kind of praise poetry that would have been written by a court bard uh, about winning battles and these very, very long family genealogies. And of course, it's garnished here and there with tie-ins to mythology and magic. And the funny thing is that it seems that Taliesin has barded so hard that he became a mythical figure. Which is honestly goals. What better way, like what better legacy than to become a myth? Really? And it's like, in conjunction with King Arthur, like this is the level of like mythic that we're talking about because sometimes the story of Taliesin is part of the Mabinogion and that it was officially, in, it was included in the first Mabinogion and then taken out in later translations, but then put back in uh, recently. But then the, it's controversial whether or not Taliesin should even be in the Mabinogion, but also there's, it's controversial whether the Mabinogion is really a collection of stories or if it's, I mean, you know, because there doesn't seem to be a through line for a lot of them. Um, and they have the kind of four branches of the Mabinogion that are kind of like the little subcategories, one of which is the original Arthurian lore, the original Welsh, Welsh kind of Arthur legends, um, which is very, very which, cool. And it's like a great cocktail party fact. A lot of people don't realize that, but I think it's it's fascinating. Like, it is really cool. And the Mabinogion is, like, such a unique historical, mythological collection because, like, it it almost sometimes feels a bit biblical and that it's, like, a bunch of stories that have, like, sometimes a similar cast but sometimes entirely different casts of characters well here's what i kind of would think of it as i think the mabinogion could be looked at as the repertoire of one very accomplished bard i love that i love that idea about it i mean like because it's such a loose collect collection but you have some family genealogy stuff in there you have some praise songs about winning various battles. You definitely have myths and magic. Hell yeah. Hey, Merlin. Uh, and you have a lot of, like, 
sort of local cultural flavor. Yeah. So I think if you were to look at it as, again, the repertoire of one very accomplished bard, perhaps someone like a Taliesin, then maybe it does make sense to include this kind of mythical story of Taliesin. Uh, and I like that. So looking at the mythical side of Taliesin, so we know that he was a real guy. We know that he lived in the sixth century. We know that he was serving under at least two Welsh dynasties, which you would think, you know, they might be kind of jealous but maybe he was just that good that he could do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you've got to be good if instead of, like, ripping the baby in half, they decide to share. <laughs> they decided to share. Um, so in the mythical retelling of the life of Taliesin, um, he's originally the child of Seridwin. And Seridwin has sort of two children, one of which is very, very ugly. And she decides she's going to make this magical potion in her cauldron, which is, this is actually attested as the origin of, like, witches and cauldrons, is this sort of Seridwin with. So there's really a, a lot of very rich material just looking at this one bard, right? So she uh, sort of makes her other child stir, or actually, no, initially, Taliesin is a servant, Right, but he's got to stir. He's got to stir the cauldron for a year to make this potion for Seridwin's ugly child. Right, and he accidentally splashes three drops into his mouth, uh, gaining all of the inspiration from the potion. Uh, and he's worried about what Seridwin's going to do when she finds out that he's had this magic potion. So he turns himself into. They have this like really long chase where like he turns into a fish and then she turns into a sea otter and then so on and so forth. And then he turns into a grain and then she eats it. And yeah, which I think I'll have to link. I'm pretty sure we covered Taliesin in the Caridwin segment when we did her many moons ago. So we'll have to link if you want to like learn a little bit more about her specifically. Right, right, right. So they have this really epic chase. And then because he's drunk the potion he doesn't die inside of her she just becomes pregnant with him as a but now as a baby right so she gives birth to the baby who is now like the child of like a witch god uh reborn as uh and she's like i'm gonna throw this shit out in the ocean in a leather bag i'm imagining a handbag but like i know that's not appropriate to the time but when they're it's like a birkin she just a, tossed him out there in a Birkin. Right, right, right. Because um, that's what I that's what I saw in my head when I thought when I read leather bag, and then I was like, wait, no, it's not. It's not a handbag. Um, anyway, so and then washes on shore. So in the mythical version, before Taliesin works with these other Welsh kings that are real, um, is with this guy called Elfin, and Elfin and Taliesin have all of these magical adventures, you know. Um, always, there's always kind of trickery afoot, and they're, they're kind of sidekicks, even. But Taliesin is kind of uh, growing up with Elfin. Elfin's like a prince, right? And he prophesies, he becomes the court bard, and he prophesies the, uh, the king's death. And so Elfin is obviously ascending to the throne, and he's like, well, you prophesied that 
you must be um, the greatest like wizard slash bard of all time, whatever. And um, yeah, so, and then he kind of moves into the real phase of his life after that, because of course, Elfin dies in battle. Many, many kings die in battle like a year or two after they become the king in, in this period of history. Yeah, so... it's kind of a, it's not exactly a, a long-term retirement plan type <laughs> gig. No, 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 no. So, but also in some of the later Arthurian legends from the 11th century, where it's kind of more congealed into what we would recognize as the Arthurian legends, uh, we really have Taliesin as like the bard in King Arthur's court, which, you know, may maybe that's what even they were joking about in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But I mean, the timing, so if King, I mean, as King Arthur, the historical figure in the Historia Britannica or whatever, from that's from like the 800s, but it mentions Taliesin as a real person. And that's one of the historical things that mentions King Arthur as a real person. And it would have been around the same time, and it would have been around the same place, but actually it is, you know, about a, a century off. So if King Arthur was really this, like, Welsh king, it's, you know, it's very, very unlikely that Taliesin and King Arthur met, uh, unfortunately. Sadly. Sadly. Yeah. But he, but when, but you know, later on, when they're both these kind of mythical characters, it does kind of make sense to put them together because you know, similar time, similar place. It's like six hundred years later, so of course they're like, yeah, swish it together, you know. Yeah, they're like, why not collapse it? Collapse it. Um, I mean, it's all it's all horses and buggies anyway, right? <laughs> but no, so a a real bard who became a mythical bard. And I also think, you know, kind of the book of Taliesin being included and thinking of the Mabinogian as maybe one very good bard's repertoire. I speculate, and this is my speculation, that maybe the Mabinogian is the repertoire of the historical Taliesin. And that seems like a fun theory. So I think that's a fun theory. Because they, like. don't, they don't know. It's based on an oral tradition, so. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing with us about Taliesin, which is so much fun. Um, so we're coming to the bitter end. And I have drawn a card for Sagittarius because I just wanted to do Sagittarius. So I have drawn the Adelita of Earth, which is represented by the Yucca uh, for our Patreon people. You can see this pretty card. And I think this is like a really good card for our Sagittarian friends, you wandering little centaurs. So the idea of the Adelita of Earth card is that it's like an invitation to find ways to ground your spiritual practices by honoring the land. And the thing that I like about this card is it's like really specific that it's just about honoring the land, not necessarily specific place. So wherever you are, you can incorporate the land into your spiritual practice. And so it's like if you're traveling a bunch or you're moving around, like you don't have to tie your spiritual practice necessarily to a specific place, but tying it to the land is a really strong practice. So it's like 
reach back to your ancestors, update your familial traditions, whatever those may be, and put them into practice where you are, not necessarily where you're from, wherever you are in the world. Find ways to connect spiritually to the land. It's good for you. I love that as a message for Sagittarius too. Yeah. I know. When I when I decided to do Sagittarius and I drew this card, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, that tracks. That makes sense. From my friend with the Sag moon over here. Not not me. But okay, not- so so what do we say to all of these musical bitches? To all of you musical bitches, we say blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye. We're grown-ups. We're not doing like 30 level 30 bleach. Um, drunkenly doing level 30 bleach on our hair while we drink like shoplifted champagne. Right out of the bottle. Right out of the bottle. Because Which hurts your nose. It does. It does. But we were dumb. Uh, and we, we were thought, dumb. We thought that was fancy. That with our piave. <laughs> oh my god. We were young ones. <laughs>